Amen. Thank you for that. It's a beautiful song, and what a great message to it. Thank God for His mercy. Amen. Let's take our Bibles this morning, open to the book of 2 Timothy, book of 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter number 1. We'll begin reading in verse number 8, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Begin reading in verse number 8, but before I read verse number 8, I think it is important that we remember what he's just said in verse number 7. In verse number 7, Paul has said, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So remember what Paul is saying here. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. And then he begins in verse number 8 saying, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel." Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Father, we do thank you for your word. And uh, Lord, I pray that this morning, uh, Lord, as the name of Jesus has been lifted up in the singing that has been done, I pray also in your word this morning and through the preaching that Jesus Christ would be lifted up and glorified. And Lord, our hearts would be prepared for what you'd have for us. And Lord, that we would not just hear and just leave the same way that we have come. But Lord, may we hear, may we allow your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. And Lord, may we be attentive and be obedient to what you'd have for us this morning. And so Father, we ask that you just work through the service now as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Verses 8 through 12 is really just an amazing passage of Scripture here. Notice that in verse number 8, he begins by telling Timothy, Be not thou for ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. He says, Timothy, don't be ashamed. And then in verse number 12, he says, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. So he tells Timothy in verse number 8, Don't be ashamed. And then verse number 12, he says, I am not ashamed. Paul is challenging Timothy to live a life for Christ unashamed. To be unashamed in living for Jesus Christ. When we look at how Paul is trying to encourage Timothy in this last book that Paul is going to write, to continue in the faith and to keep serving the Lord unashamed through the preaching of the gospel, it really boils down to two things. In verse number 7, he says, God has not given us the spirit of fear. And then verse number 12, he says, For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have committed against him. It really comes down to two things, fear or faith. Fear or faith. Notice again what he says in verse number 12 after saying that he's not ashamed. He says, For I know whom I have believed. The word know shows us there is a confidence. I know in whom I have believed. There's no doubt about it, right? It says, I know whom I have believed. 
and am persuaded. The word persuaded means he is certain, he is convinced, he, he believes, he trusts that he, the one who he is trusted in, Jesus Christ, is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. So Paul says, Timothy, I'm challenging you. I want you to live a life unashamed for Jesus Christ. Don't live in fear. Live by faith. Don't live in fear. Live in faith. Again, think about this. He says, I'm not ashamed. I know whom I have believed. I'm persuaded. What is that? That's faith. That's faith. He says, I know who I'm trusting in. I'm persuaded. I'm convinced of this. This faith. So let me ask you this morning, how are you going to live? How are you going to live your life? In faith or in fear? Now let me just say, it's very easy to begin and say, oh yeah, pastor, I want to live my, I'm going to live life of faith. But can I say it's not as easy as it sounds? Because I'm afraid that many Christians, instead of living in faith, are living in fear. We're living in fear. Which is why when we look and see what is happening in our society today, we we see Christians just kind of stepping off to the side, not really wanting to get involved, not wanting to really stand up for right. We just, well, let's just kind of, let's just let the world do what they want to do, and we're just going to stand over here to the side. Wait a minute, that's not living by faith, that's living in fear. And God doesn't want us to live in fear. He just said that in verse number 7, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. In fear or faith. Unashamed or ashamed? How are we going to live our life? You see, we get to choose what it will be. But Paul is encouraging Timothy to live unashamed. So what does it take to live unashamed? Well, I think he tells us in verse number 8 very clearly. He says, Be not thou therefore ashamed. Right? It's a pretty clear command. I don't want you to be ashamed, Timothy, and he lists three things not to be ashamed of. He says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Three things that Paul tells us we need to live by faith in so that we can live unashamed for Jesus Christ. Will it be fear or faith? Notice, first of all, he says there is fear or faith of the gospel. You choose. Will you live in fear of the gospel or will you live in faith of the gospel? Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Timothy, you have to make a choice. Are you going to live in fear of the gospel or are you going to live in faith of the gospel? In faith of the gospel. Now, again, he he very clearly explains the gospel here. Notice in verse number 9, who hath saved us? I like that first part. Who hath saved us? You know what that tells me? You can't save yourself. He had to save us. You can't save yourself. There's nothing you can do to earn salvation. He says, who hath saved us? Talking about Jesus Christ, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. 
So he, he makes it very clear here that salvation is not by works. It's not by works. It's not by anything that you can do. He's reminding Timothy of his salvation. Hey, Timothy, remember when you accepted Christ as your Savior? Remember how it was because of your grandmother and your mother that taught you the scriptures and then you heard the, the preaching of the word of God and you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Remember that, Timothy? It was not by what you did. It was not of your works, but of grace. Think about what he says, who hath saved us, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. You see, salvation is not by anything that we can do. It is by the grace of God, by God's grace. We spoke about that earlier in the passage, back up in, in verse number two, this grace of God, this, this favor that is bestowed upon us, this unmerited favor that is offered to us, this gift that God is offering. It is only through Jesus Christ. You know, we would think, well, that would be simple, right? Faith or fear of the gospel, why would there be fear of the gospel? You know that there's many people that go to bed each night and they wonder and they hope that if something happens in the night, they hope that they've done enough to make it to heaven if they die. Can I tell you what they do not have? They do not have confidence. They do not have faith. In fact, what they're living with is fear. They're living in fear, not knowing, uncertain what is going to happen. Many people, even in Christian churches and things, living today, thinking, well, I'm, I'm good enough. I've done enough good things. I go to church. I'm a member of a church. I was baptized. I, I'm a good person. Surely there's enough things that I have done that I, that I may be able to make it to heaven. And every time they go to bed, they go to sleep hoping and afraid that nothing will happen that night. Hoping and, and afraid that if, if something were to happen, that maybe there's been enough done that they can be saved. Friend, that's fear. And I tell you, when a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we have that faith, like what Paul speaks of in verse number 12. I know whom I have believed. There's, there's no doubt in my mind about it, Paul says. I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to, Right? It's, not, it's nothing about me. It's about what Jesus Christ has done. I am persuaded that he is able, and watch what he says, to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. You see, I don't have to keep it. Guess who keeps it? He does. I didn't save me, and I don't have to keep me. He did. He saved me, and he keeps me. You know what? I can go to bed at night and I can be absolutely confident and without having to have any fear that if something were to happen in the night or at any time that I'll be with the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because there is a faith in the gospel. And again, this is, this is absolutely amazing. Look in verse number 10. When he's talking about what Jesus Christ has done who saved us, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose, right? But notice in verse number 10 about the Lord Jesus Christ, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He says, you want, to, you want to understand the gospel? This is what the gospel is. The gospel is the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died for you and me. 
He died so that we wouldn't have to die. He abolished death. And he says this, because Jesus Christ abolished death, the only reason that a person dies now is because they choose to. You say, what do you mean? What do you mean a person only dies now because they choose to? Well, you have to understand the meaning of the word death. The word death does not mean a ceasing to exist. We have this idea that the way the world uses the word death is, oh, you die, you're gone. You're, 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 you've stopped existing. No, that, friend, that's not what the word death means. The word death simply means a separation. That's what the word death means. It means separation. It means when a person physically dies, their spirit and their soul are separated from their body. That person doesn't cease to exist. No, no, they're still alive. It's just the body is now separated. We think about this in Luke chapter 16. The Bible tells us about the, the account of the rich man and Lazarus where both of these men died. They both died. But yet it says, and in, in, in paradise we have the, the beggar Lazarus alive. And, and in hell we have the rich man who is burning in the flames and saying, please send somebody to dip their finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented. Here we have a man that's talking and feeling and reasoning. Well, I thought he died. He did. But see, death does not mean a ceasing to exist. When a person physically dies, they have made a choice in their life either to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ or to put their faith in themselves or something else. And when a person, their physical body dies, that choice is sealed. You cannot change that choice now. But what Jesus Christ did was, was he came, and again, understanding, and notice what he says in verse number 9, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So understand that salvation has been, has been planned by God before the world began. Before God even created Adam and Eve, he knew that Adam and Eve were going to sin. He knew what was going to happen. And even then, he made a plan. He made a way for people to be saved. And that was always going to be through Jesus Christ. It was not through religion it was not through sacrifices. It was not through a baptism. It was not through keeping the commandments. It wasn't through any of those things. It was through Jesus Christ. That's what he just said in verse number nine. That was planned before the world began. But when Jesus Christ came, the Bible says when he came, he was able to abolish death. You see, before this death, when a person died, they were separated from God. That's what God tells us in, in Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned against God. He said, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Well, wait a minute. Adam, and Lee, Adam lived 930 years. So how did he die? Remember, what is death? It means separation. That very day that Adam and Eve ate of that fruit, they were separated, not from their body, but they were separated from God. That separation from God began that day. Now man, created in the image of God, no more is united with God. Now they are separated from God. And now every child that is born is born separated from God. You say, but, but wait a minute, didn't they offer the sacrifices? Yes, they did, but the Bible says that the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. 
They couldn't be taken away. And so you have all of these people from Adam and Eve, basically, if you wanted to say, from Abel, because he was the first death, physically, first physical death, when Cain killed his brother Abel. So from Abel all the way on, you have this death that is separating man from God. This death that is separating man from God. For thousands of years, man has been separated from God. You say, well, if they're separated from God, then when they physically died, where did they go? We would just naturally say, well, they must have gone to heaven. No, they can't go to heaven. There's been no payment for sin. Can't go to heaven. God cannot accept someone into heaven who still has sin. That's why there's this separation. So where did they go? The Bible tells us there was a place called paradise. Again, we read there in Luke chapter 16. When the rich man died and the beggar died, one went to hell, one went to paradise. He did not go to heaven, he went to paradise. And it was not until Jesus Christ came to the earth, and please look and see what he says here in verse number 10, but now was made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. His death, his payment, not just for my sin and your sin, but the sin of the, every single person that has ever lived. He paid for their sin. Now, because of that, now a person, when they die, they can immediately enter into the presence of God. Now there's, there doesn't have to be that separation anymore. Now when we know, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are reunited with God. Our spirit is made alive, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, right? We're made alive so that now, the very moment that we die, we're in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ abolished death. So now when a person physically dies, they don't ever have to be separated from God unless they choose to. You say, well, why would a person ever choose to be separated from God? Because they choose to believe that there is some other way to be saved than through Jesus Christ. They choose to believe that salvation can come through a baptism, or they choose to believe that salvation can come through the church or a religious system or some rituals or by being a good person or by keeping the Ten Commandments. And they choose to say, you know what, I don't believe Jesus is the only one that can save me from my sin. I don't believe Jesus is the one who abolished death. There's something that I must do. And friend, when you make that choice, you choose to reject Jesus Christ. You've rejected him. And that's why he says in verse number 9, who hath saved us? We could not save ourselves. We could only be saved through what Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ had to come and abolish death and bring that reuniting back to God with himself through Jesus Christ so that we could be with him now. He, he abolished death, and what did he bring? Life and immortality so that we could be with the Lord Jesus Christ forever. Do you understand? A person does not have to fear when they die. They don't have to fear if they'll put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Then why do they fear? Because they choose something other than Jesus Christ. And Paul is telling Timothy, hey, Timothy, don't forget, you didn't save yourself. 
Don't be afraid of the gospel message. Is it popular? No. It's not popular. If it was popular, everybody would be doing it. It's not popular to say that Jesus Christ is the only way. It's not popular to say that religion cannot save you. It's not popular to say that baptism cannot save you. It's not popular to say that your good works and the Ten Commandments cannot save you. Why? Because that's what pretty much everybody says. You see, that's what's popular. You can do it. You're able. You can do it. You just keep trying. You just keep being good. You just keep coming to church. You just keep giving. You can do it. No, you can't. You cannot. And that's why Jesus Christ came. You see, we choose either faith in the gospel or fear of the gospel. We choose to either put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ or say, you know what, I don't think that's going to work. I'm going to do it my way. And Jesus says, hey, let me tell you something. He abolished death. He brought life and immortality through the gospel. Again, notice what he says there at the end. He says, who hath abolished death and brought life and immortality to the light through the gospel. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Nothing more. The gospel is what Jesus Christ did, not what you and I can do. That's why he tells us that anything other than the gospel is cursed. You say, oh, Pastor God wouldn't say that. Well, why don't you turn over with me to the book of Galatians. In the book of Galatians, chapter 1, in Galatians chapter 1, notice what Paul writes to the, the Galatians here. In verse number 6, he says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Oh, you see, oh, so there is another gospel. We'll keep reading. Which is not another but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. He said what's happening is, he says some, some people are coming in and they're perverting the gospel of Christ. They're saying that Jesus Christ is not enough. That you have to do something else. You have to keep the law or you have to be circumcised or you have to get baptized or, or you have to do all these different things. They're perverting the gospel of Christ and saying that Jesus is not enough. There's something more that you must do. And Paul says, I'm really shocked, actually. I'm shocked that you would be swayed by this. I'm shocked that you would be removed from him that called you, that you would believe that there's something else other than Jesus Christ. But watch what he says in verse number 8. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you let him be accursed and just in case that wasn't clear verse number nine as we said before so say i now again if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received let him be accursed you know what paul is saying there is no other gospel. There is no other way than the gospel of Christ, than through Jesus Christ and him alone, and any other gospel. If people try to make it say, well, well, that's great, you can believe in Jesus, but you also have to do this. He said, do not believe them, that is cursed. You say, boy, that's, that's pretty strong, preacher. We're dealing with life and death. 
we're dealing with eternity, yes, it is strong. Because Paul is saying there are people trying to pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're trying to say what Jesus Christ did is not enough. Do not believe them. What Jesus Christ did is sufficient. In fact, if what Jesus Christ did is not enough, then we are hopeless. Because if what Jesus Christ did is not enough, there is nothing that you and I can do to add to it. So if it was not enough, then it's hopeless. There is no salvation if what Jesus Christ did is not enough. And this is why Paul is telling Timothy here, there is either faith or fear of the gospel. But notice, secondly, he says, not only does he say, be not ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Don't be ashamed of, of what Jesus Christ has done. Don't be afraid that the gospel is only one way. But he says, nor of me, his prisoner. There is faith or fear of serving. There's faith or fear of serving. Again, think about this. He says, don't be afraid of the gospel, of the testimony of the Lord. Don't be afraid of me, his prisoner. And I think Paul kind of means this in a double way here. Not only was Paul a physical prisoner as he's writing this letter to Timothy. He's a physical prisoner in Rome. But he also many times refers to himself as the prisoner of Jesus Christ. It's a double meaning here. Paul says, yes, I am physically a prisoner in Rome, but I am also the prisoner of Jesus Christ. He has me, lock, stock, and barrel. He said, I, I'm his. I'm all in on this, right? And he says, don't be afraid of me, his prisoner. Now, again, think about what he says here. Notice in verse number 9. He says, who hath saved us, and then notice there's a comma here, after salvation, guess what comes? And called us with a holy calling. You see, once we're saved, then God says, guess what? You're also called. We are saved, we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and he says, now we are called with a holy calling. What was Paul's calling to serve? Paul was appointed a preacher of the gospel. Now, Please understand, notice what he says in, uh, in, verse number 10, in verse number 11. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. Paul said, hey, I've been called to be a preacher of the gospel. By the way, he says, Timothy, you have been called to be a preacher of the gospel. That's why he says a little bit later on, he says, preach the word in chapter 4, verse number 2. Preach the word. Timothy, you keep preaching the gospel. Timothy, you've been saved and now you have this calling to preach the gospel. I've been saved. I have this calling to preach the gospel. And may I say this morning, if you are saved here this morning, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ and Him and Him alone, you are called to preach the gospel. You're called to preach the gospel. You say, oh, oh, oh no, preacher, that's, that's your job. I, and I would, you know, I would never want to take someone's job from them. Well, thank you for your kindness. But I think that you're a little confused. You're getting the job of being a pastor and a preacher confused. You know, they're not the same thing. Did you notice what Paul said in verse number 11? I am appointed a preacher and an apostle. 
Well, wait a minute, isn't that the same thing? No, not the same thing. That's why he separates them. They're not the same thing. If it was just an apostle that preaches, then all he would have had to say is, I'm just appointed an apostle. But he says, I'm appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. You see, the word preacher, when he says, I'm appointed a preacher, it's not referring to a pastor. It's not referring to an office. Oh, you know, the, the, the preacher, the pastor. No, 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 it's not referring to an office. You know what the word preacher means? The word preacher means to proclaim. That's what the word preacher means. He says, I'm appointed a preacher and an apostle. The word preacher simply means one who proclaims. In fact, this is exactly what we are told to do in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Go ye into all the world and what? What? Preach the gospel. Go into all the world and proclaim and preach the gospel. The word preach means to proclaim. Guess whose job it is to proclaim the gospel? If you're saved this morning, if you're saved, and, and if, if you're not saved this morning, please, we'd love to take the word of God and show you how to be saved. I'm not trying to make... Uh, I'm not trying to make anybody feel weird or anything like this this morning, but if you're saved, you know for sure that you're saved this morning. There's no doubt in your mind, absolutely no doubt in your mind that you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. Now, if there's any doubt, if there's any doubt in your mind, don't say this, right? And if there's any doubt in your mind, when the invitation is given in a few minutes, we'd love to take the Word of God and show you how you can be absolutely certain that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. But if you are absolutely certain this morning, you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then here's what I want you to say with me this morning. I am called to be a preacher of the gospel. Now, here's what happened. Some of you didn't say it. Why? Is there fear? And some of you, even though you said it, didn't really believe it in your heart. Why? Is there fear? Is there fear to be a preacher of the gospel? Now again, please, don't, don't confuse this. We're not saying that you're going to be a pastor. Right? I've got enough of these young people coming after me. I don't need everybody coming after my job, okay? All right? But that's not what he said. You're to be a preacher. We are to proclaim the gospel. What does it mean to proclaim the gospel? It is to tell others about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you this morning, you don't have to be an apostle to be a preacher. You don't have to be a pastor to be a preacher. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher to be a preacher. If you're saved this morning, God says we are called with a holy calling. What is that holy calling? To preach the gospel. Every single one of us. But here's the problem. We begin to make excuses why we can't preach the gospel. Well, I didn't, I didn't go to Bible college like Pastor did. 
I haven't, I haven't been preaching as long as pastor has, you know. Uh, you know, I have, I'm not like these other missionaries that, you know, that whatever, you know. I, I, we, we start making excuses. Wait a minute, you know what that is? That's fear. What did he say in verse number seven? God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. So where is this fear coming from? If it's not coming from God, because God's not going to give you the spirit of fear, I mean, why would God want you to be afraid of telling people about his plan from before the earth began? Would God want you to be afraid about that? God says, I've got this amazing plan that before I even created the world, I knew that Jesus Christ was going to come. I knew he was going to abolish death. I knew he was going to bring life and immortality. I've got this absolutely amazing plan. And then when it comes to fruition, I want people to be afraid to tell other people about it. It doesn't sound right, does it? Wouldn't it be that God says, I've got this amazing plan that Jesus Christ is going to come and he's going to die for sinners. He's going to abolish death and he's going to bring life and, and he's going to bring immortality through his death, bread, and resurrection to man. Not only is it this amazing thing, but I want everybody to know about it. I want everybody to be able to know about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want everybody that knows the gospel of Jesus Christ to proclaim it to somebody else. He says he has saved us and called us with a holy calling to preach the gospel, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And yet, we fear. We're afraid to give it out. We're afraid to share the gospel with somebody. We're afraid to take a track out of our pocket and give it to somebody. We're afraid to say, hey, would you like to come to church with me? We're afraid to say, hey, what do you think about Jesus? Who do you think, who, who do you think Jesus is? We're afraid to start these spiritual conversations trying to help somebody to come to know Jesus. We're afraid, and yet he says, hey, we don't have to be afraid. Don't be ashamed of the gospel, Timothy. Don't be ashamed of of what Jesus Christ has done. Don't be ashamed that he has called you to serve. It should never be anything to be ashamed about. Oh, man, God called me to be a preacher of the gospel. Oh, no. What's there to be ashamed about? Honestly, what is there to be ashamed about? That Jesus Christ saved us from our sin and he abolished death for us. He, he brought us back into fellowship with God. He's given us life and immortality. And he said, hey, I want you to tell other people about what's there to be ashamed of. And yet, we battle with fear, don't we? Why? Because we start listening to our flesh and we start listening to the devil We start listening to the world instead of listening to God. What happens? When we start living in fear, we start living ashamed. Paul says, Timothy, I don't want you to live ashamed. I want you to live unashamed. Timothy, hey, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed. I know who saved me. I know what he's done for me. I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against. Paul Paul says, Timothy, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of serving the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And may I say thirdly, Paul says there's either faith or or fear of affliction. He says at the end of verse number 8, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. In verse number 12, after saying, I have been appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, notice verse 12, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Paul says the reason why I'm in jail is not because I broke some law. It's not because I committed murder. Paul says the reason why I'm in jail is because I proclaim the gospel. The reason why I'm sitting in a Roman jail waiting to be executed is because it wasn't popular to say that Jesus is the only way. In fact, it made some people mad. They got mad about it, and they said, I'm trying to cause insurrection, I'm trying to go against the king, and it's funny, though, they, can, they can't find any laws that I've broken other than I've preached Jesus Christ and him alone. The reason why I'm here, Timothy, is because I preach the gospel. I'm unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm not afraid of the affliction that it's going to bring. Paul was in prison. Timothy had suffered and would suffer again. Paul says, Timothy, you don't need to be afraid of the affliction. You don't need to be afraid of the suffering. And friend, can I tell you this morning, you and I know nothing about suffering. Nothing. When they would take Christians and bring them into the Colosseum and have wild animals let loose, and the crowds would cheer as the animals would simply rip them apart. And the crowds would cheer on. When they would take Christians and tie them to stakes along the road, douse them in oil, and light them on fire simply because of Jesus Christ. When they would have to live underground in the catacombs in fear of their life. And they would take their, later they would even take the bones of those that had died in the catacombs and make walls and things that showing how many Christians died for the cause of Jesus Christ. And we're afraid to suffer if somebody slams a door in our face. We're afraid to suffer if somebody cusses us out. We know nothing of suffering. And yet we're already living in fear. How is the gospel going to get to the world 
if Christians are already living in fear and we know nothing of persecution. Paul sitting in a Roman prison saying, Timothy, let me tell you something. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of what Jesus has done in my life. I'm not ashamed of of how I live my life for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed that they're about to take me out and cut off my head. I'm not ashamed of that. I've lived my life unashamed. Timothy, hey, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't ever be ashamed of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Don't don't ever be ashamed to serve him. Don't ever be ashamed that that he has called you with a holy calling to preach the gospel. Christian, can I tell you something? You don't have anything to be ashamed of. Nothing to be ashamed of. When we think about what Jesus Christ has done for us. Are we afraid of the affliction? Are we afraid of the persecution that might come? Paul says, I'm suffering it, and I'm not ashamed. I'm in it. I'm in a prison cell. I'm about to be beheaded. And what does he say? Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Christians, will there be suffering? Probably. Can someone cuss you out? Sure, probably. Can someone take that track that you give them and rip it up and throw it back in your face? Probably. Somebody slam the door in your face when you're trying to invite them to church? Probably. Although it's very rare these days, people don't even answer their door now. What's there to be afraid of? If we know who, he, who we have believed in and we're persuaded that he is able to keep that which we have committed unto him against that day, what do we have to be afraid of? Could it be that it's not the excuses that we're making that are really what's causing the fear? Could it be we're simply saying we're afraid so that we don't have to leave our comfortable life? Could it be that we're just saying, well, I'm afraid that there's going to be persecution when it really has nothing to do with persecution. We just don't want to serve God. Why don't we just call it what it is? It's not faith. It's fear. God says, I've not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Timothy, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed of me as prisoner. Don't be, a, don't be afraid of the afflictions that are going to come. <laughs> hey, you do know where you're going, right, Timothy? You do know who you're serving, right, Timothy? You do remember what he has done for you, right, Timothy? You know that there's really nothing that this world can do to us. Right, Timothy? Because to be absent from the body 
to be present with the Lord. So what do we have to be afraid of? What do we have to be ashamed of? Look, we make all kinds of excuses. Don't we? We make all kinds of excuses. Paul says, Timothy, I want to challenge you. Live a life for Jesus Christ unashamed. Don't be ashamed. There's nothing to be ashamed of, Timothy. You know what he did for you. You know what he has waiting for you. Don't be ashamed. With their heads bowed and their eyes closed, no one looking about this morning. Friend, maybe you're here this morning and when I asked, are are you 100% sure that if you died today, you'd be in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ? Maybe you couldn't say that. Maybe there's a little uncertainty there. And you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm I'm uncertain. I'd like to say that, but I just, I don't know if I could say I'm 100% certain that if I died, I would be in heaven. Pastor, I would like to know more how I could be absolutely certain my sins are forgiven and that heaven is my home. Friend, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But I would like to pray for you. I'm concerned for you. Friend, do you understand? Maybe that's why God has you here this morning, so you can get that settled. If that's you this morning, you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not certain. I don't have that. I cannot say I'm 100% certain. Friend, would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Nobody else is looking about slip it up put it right back down thank you God bless you someone else say pastor I'm not certain if I'm saved I'm not certain but I, I would like to know more how I could be saved just slip it up put it right back down nobody else is looking pastor would you pray for me I'm not sure and Christian if you know Jesus Christ as your savior I hope you were willing to say as we said before I'm saved, I'm called to be a preacher of the gospel. That's what we're called to do, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Friend, it's not up to you to save them, but we are to proclaim the gospel, to tell them that Jesus Christ died for their sins. And that he, and he alone, offers life. Are we proclaiming the gospel the way we should? Or have we allowed fear to keep us from proclaiming the gospel? Paul says, Timothy, don't be ashamed. I'm sitting in Roman prison for preaching the gospel, and I am not ashamed. 
Are we afraid of persecution? Affliction, maybe? Oh, friend, they might, they might afflict you a little bit here on this earth. We have all eternity to be with the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. Are we willing to count the cost for Jesus Christ and what he did for us? Don't be afraid to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. We have been called with a holy calling to proclaim the gospel message. Every one of us that knows Jesus as our Savior, we've been called. Will we be obedient? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we're just going to stand quietly this morning. The pianist is going to begin to play softly. Maybe this morning God has spoken to your heart. If you raised your hand, you said, Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm saved.